course we do. Every Saturday. On these airways, hey. How are you doing? My name's Casey Steve, the voice of your Valley Armor Sets News Talk 107.3 FM. 1480 AM KYOS. So happy to have you here with us on this Saturday morning, the last Saturday in August. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. That's for you, Maryland, every single Saturday. That's right. It's been five Saturdays in August. It's hard to uh, three paydays here around Radio Merced. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy, happy, happy. Of course, the new owners, Stevens Media Group, were very pleased with everything they're doing for us. And as I said, in the first hour of my two and a half hour shows every Saturday, the 6 a.m. hour, I thank management for everything they do for Citizen Watch and KYOS, bringing this to you every single week. Until otherwise notified. Ah, just have to get all my equipment. Dave Luna has a complete staff, several assistants, got a, just one guy that just brings him coffee. Has to be the right temperature, plus or minus 10 degrees, within a threshold. But he uh, he's uh, he's the old standby here. So me, I just I pick up the slack when he's not in the studio. I think he moves my CD player. Okay, it's working right. Anyway, here we are Saturday morning, the last Saturday in uh, August. I've got the calendar set to September, so I'm looking at the wrong dates. But it is Labor Day weekend, big holiday Monday. Everything's closed. Except, uh, well, you know, service industries, restaurants, that sort of thing. Those those poor folks have to work. But uh, honoring the American worker, Labor Day, and a big picnic out there at the lake. I have yet to be invited. Someday, I hope to maybe flip burgers or something. Oh, what else is going on this weekend? I can't really think of any events. I'm sure there is. Probably the races. Uh, I don't know. Probably a soiree or two that I wasn't invited to either. I'm still reeling from the old Playhouse Merced fundraiser a couple of weeks ago. What a fun, 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 fun time. I'll tell you. Just absolutely beautiful. The old courthouse venue over there. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, SB35. A couple of things I want to get into. But SB35... Is a Senate bill that was I talked. A little, I thought it was uh, enacted the first part of seventeen. It was actually September of twenty seventeen. Became effective January first of twenty eighteen. Senate Bill thirty five applies to cities and counties that have not made sufficient progress toward meeting their affordable housing goals for above moderate and lower income levels, as mandated by the state. SB thirty five requires city cities and counties to streamline the review and approval of certain affordable housing projects by providing a ministerial process. And I talked a little bit about this in the first hour. Let me give you the, uh, now this is a little different than the traditional planning review process uh, that typically involves the, the public of all people, people that might be affected by a project, no more. The ministerial process is an act or function that conforms you must conform to an instruction or prescribed procedure. That means something that was previously set up or prescribed, an instruction or pre- prescribed procedure. It connotates, connotates obedience, a function performed without the use of judgment by the person performing the act or the duty. And basically, what this makes is developmental services over there, City of Merced, County of Merced, wherever they may be, because basically every city... Almost every county in California is, is out of compliance uh, with their uh, low-income, moderate housing uh, goals. And that's why SB 35 came about. I'm going to read from a different 
couple of different publications. This is a gavel to gavel article uh, written December 18th, 2018, assessing SB 35 success or failure. The motivation behind SB 35 owning a home in California has long been expensive. But California currently faces an unprecedented housing shortage. Again, this isn't something new. This was almost a year ago. This was written, and we've read in the news where it's just uh, gotten worse and worse. Prices have gone up, 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 which is good for homeowners, bad for buyers. Inventories, we heard, are at all-time lows. Uh, Vacancy rates less than double-digit. I think in Merced, it's 1%. Uh, A lot of commuters. Saw an article not recently about the number of uh, people commuting long distances, uh, really to get to affordable houses. Affordable housing, not necessarily good-paying jobs. The good-paying jobs are there. There's just no affordable housing around them. I go on with the article. The state ranks 49th among the 50 states in housing units per capita, with a deficit of roughly 2 million units. The median California home is two and a half times more expensive than the national median. That's not average, that's median, that's middle of the pack, folks. Despite low mortgage interest rates, only about half of California households own their own homes. This is the third lowest rate in the country and the lowest rate within California since World War II. So even within our own state, things are going downhill. Again, this is the justification for Senate Bill 35. In 2017, the California legislature passed a 15-bill package to help address the housing shortage. SB 35, authored by San Francisco's State Senator Scott Weiner, not to be uh, mistaken for Tony Weiner. No, he's Scott Weiner. He's one of the key opponent, uh, com- is one key component, his SB 35 is one key component of the legislative package. Specifically, SB 35 forces many cities which do not meet their regional housing needs assessment, the RH, RHNA. Goals to provide streamlined ministerial review of qualifying infill housing projects. Without the mandated ministerial review process, these projects could be subject to local conditional use permit requirements, CUP, environmental review under the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA. We always hear about CEQA, big, big deal, and other discretionary governmental review. Now, that's you people, that's the citizens. The people affected by these projects, the people that live, the cities, the communities, the counties. Because again, the regional housing needs assessments done every, I believe every April, the report needs to be turned in. Says what we've done in the past year, where we're going, what our plans are, what the inventory is, how we're going to get there and when. And it hasn't been going fast enough. That's the problem. Nobody wants it. I don't know why. Affordable housing, low-income housing. There's a uh, feeling, perception. And uh, it's 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 uh, being addressed by SB 35. There's not going to be any more NIMBY. Not in my backyard, not in my neighborhood, no way, Jose. Nah, uh no, no, no. It's going to go in because this ministerial process, this review, well, as I said, in my definition, it connotates obedience. So you will be obedient. You will like it, whether you like it or not. Because SB 35 caps, I read from the article, because SB 35 caps the amount of times local governments have to review project and exempts qualified projects from CEQA, the legislation offers developers a shorter and cheaper process than what was previously developed. Now, these are, these are uh, lovely words to developers. Shorter, cheaper means more money. 
More Benjamins. And it's all about, look, we're capitalists. Free enterprise. Nothing wrong with money at all. And to try to streamline the process, well, I agree. But why for just low income? What about for just housing in general? But eh, this is just for a certain type of housing. Again, ministerial process, really important. SB 35 was the subject of much, much debate in Sacramento. Opponents decried the legislation as pro-gentrification, pro-displacement, pro-developer profits, and anti-local democratic control. We always like that democratic control, right? Majority wins. Not anymore. Proponents, people that wanted it, argued that encouraging developers to build denser, transit-orientated housing was the key to addressing California's, abil- California's affordability crisis and the state's 2030 climate goals. As you know, we are a leader in reducing greenhouse gas emission carbon, the third most abundant element in the universe. We are going to, li- somehow we're going to limit it without the help of some of the other industrialized countries, China, India, that sort of thing. Anyway, we're going to go it alone here on the West Coast. And to meet these goals, we need to have denser, transit-oriented housing. Now, I talked a little bit about back in the good old days when the Tea Party was viable, was still around. They had this uh, Agenda 21 mantra they would trot out often and talk about stack and pack. Guess what? Guess what? Denser, transit-oriented housing. However, the requirements to qualify for SB 35 streamlining can be onerous. That means uh, hard. And developers don't like that word. Leading many to question whether SB 35 will have an actual impact on California's housing shortage. SB 35 took effect almost a year ago on January 2018. Now we're, uh, well, almost two years in. This coming January, right? 18 to 19, 19, 19. Yeah, that's right. MCOE math. How has the legislation been implemented at the state and local level, and how and have developers actually been able to take advantage of the new law? And now I'm going to go back to a, a really good PDF put out by the city of Cupertino. Now, Cupertino, as folks may know, is over there. They were established in uh, 1955, not that long, uh, not as long as Merced. I think we were in 1849. I know it was April 1st. April Fool's Day. But anyway, city of Cupertino over there where uh, Apple is. I think the big Apple ring is over there, the Bay Area. And uh, they've had a big project over there, uh, this Valco Town Center, which is an old mall over in Vallejo that that they want to uh, turn into affordable housing. And they're actually doing it. And the developer was one of the first ones uh, to go through the SB 35 process. And the city of Vallejo put out this really informative 13-page PDF. I'm just going to read a couple of portions about what SB 35 is, the requirements uh, or the requirements they don't have to jump through. There are a few. There's a couple, when they say onerous, there's a couple that are really the Achilles heel to this legislation, and it's baked into the legislation, of course, by the special interests. And uh, I wouldn't expect anything less. Because to get these things over the finish line, you have to make concessions. It's like our own Measure V, the road taxes, the road infrastructure funds. Some folks were disappointed about alternative forms of transportation. They're like, hey, man, I drive a car. Let's worry about the potholes first. But you want to get the bikies to uh, the bikers to uh, the bike riders, the bicyclists. You want to get them to uh, buy into it, the pedestrian folks, the safe routes to school folks. You want to get these folks to buy into more taxes unless they get a little piece of the pie, and just like SB 35, unless the labor unions were rewarded, uh, this wasn't going to go forward. So I can see that I'm getting close to running out of this half hour, uh, or excuse me, I don't know where I'm at, this this segment. 
Let me just read a little bit. What is streamlined ministerial approval process under SB 35? This is from the city of Cupertino. SB 35 requires cities and counties to streamline review and approval of eligible affordable housing projects by providing a ministerial approval process exempting such projects from CEQA. Uh, the process does not allow public hearings. Only design review or public oversight is allowed. Now, get this. The process does not allow public hearings. Only design review or public oversight is allowed, which must be objective and strictly focused on assessing compliance with criteria required for streamlined projects, as well as objective design review of the project. And that's really an important word. We're going to talk about that more. Is objective design review standards really need to be in place more so than just the regular standards, the uh, approval of standards that are already known. There needs to be some flexibility in applying those standards to new projects. Depending on the number of housing units proposed in the project, the city has a short time frame to review the application and to determine its eligibility. A city must determine whether the project is eligible for streamlining within 60 days of an application submittal for projects with less than 150 units or 90 days if it has more. And the project design review and consideration must be done within 90 days after that for less than 150 units and uh, 180 days for more. So it could be as little as six months, five months from when one of these projects comes before the city, the application process to uh, when it starts and uh, max nine months. So you might see some of these coming to your city because we know here in Merced, there's no city in Incorporated city in Merced County, as well as Merced County, that's not on the list of, of uh, cities not in compliance. We're out of compliance. Atwater Mayor said, uh, I don't know, when he first got into office, that he was called to the principal's office over their affordable housing shortage. Of course, they still need to address that in their general plan, which is uh, one of the things they need to work on. But this is applicable to basically every city in California. I think there was 398 cities, about 97% of them, most counties. Anyway, we'll get more into this. SB 35, I find it very interesting. It's coming. It's coming to Merced. It's coming to Merced County. And I think the public needs to be aware that uh, your voice is being taken away in a lot of ways. We'll be right back. Second segment of Citizen Watch, Saturday, the last Saturday in August. My name is Casey Steve, the voice of your valley. Hang with us. Saturday morning, Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steve, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk. 107.3 FAMA. 1480 AM, KYOS, KYO70. That's right. Gateway to the park, baby. Remember when we were... Baby, sound like Luna. Remember when we were uh, thinking about a new city slogan? A new... Uh, was it a slogan? What else was it? Was it a... A logo two? I can't remember. I know we had a contest. It was 500 bucks to the winner. I don't know whoever got that. I'm sure you're out there, but I don't think we changed it. I like Gateway to Yosemite. I think we kind of kind of wanted to keep that one. There were some interesting ones, though. I don't have that. Anyway, here we are back on Citizen Watch. Second segment, last Saturday in August. 
I said September the first segment. I apologize. I've changed the calendars in the studio. Mr. Luna, and that's how I have to address him, make sure that I have everything ready for him when he comes in Monday after a holiday. I have to have it just as he left it. Nothing out of place. I'm looking around now to make sure I didn't drop anything. Anyway, Labor Day weekend. Hope you're, uh, well, if you're here in town with us, enjoying your uh, hot holiday, hey, welcome. If you're listening online, which you can do live streaming, well, welcome wherever you are, whatever state, center of the country, wherever you're at. We love you. And if you can't listen when it's uh, streaming live or on the air in real time, you can always listen to us on demand by going to 1480kyos.com. Clicking on the Citizen Watch banner. That's the one that says Citizen Watch, by the way. And it'll take you to the on-demand site. I don't don't know if it's called podcast. I don't think that's the right name for it. I call it on-demand. Anyway, you can listen to it whenever you want on-demand. And we appreciate our listeners. Uh, Not a lot of hits. Uh, It says I have five different listeners. So, you know, it's picking up. Tell your friends, a lot of them. We're going to start doing some uh, specific commercials for that on the air. Hopefully drive a little business over there. Anyway, we're kind of proud of that. So if you miss an old show, last week we had Jim Costa, Congressman Costa, representing the 16th District. He was in here. So uh, hopefully you will uh, go and listen to that along with some of the other oldies with goodies we're putting up as we go. I was talking about SB 35 in the first segment. This is Senate Bill 35 passed into law. The end of 17 by Governor Brown uh, went into effect first part of 18, January of 18. Uh, coming up on the second year, there have been a couple of projects, actually quite a few that have gone through, some uh, very, very controversial, some not so controversial. Uh, really t- kind of takes away the public's input into these projects as long as they meet certain known guidelines. In other words, you know, we all know that if they build a three-story building, the uh, Structure has to be so big, you know, the beams, the wood, whatever, uh, the windows, a certain rating to comply with energy efficiency, Title 24, handicap. All of those things are known quantities, how big of restrooms, you know, blah, 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 the height of things. And as long as the project complies with that, uh, public hearings are not allowed on SB 35 projects because they are ministerial projects which do not require public hearings. SB 35 allows design review or public oversight to occur if the city so chooses. The process may be conducted by the Planning Commission or equivalent board or commission responsible for review and approval of development projects or the city council, and that's who's ultimately in Merced responsible for the final approval. The Planning Commission here in Merced reviews the project and forwards a recommendation to the city council, and the city council can either overturn that or concur with that recommendation or modify it in some way and still approve it. Design review or public oversight must be objective and strictly focused on assessing compliance with criteria required for streamlined projects, as well as any reasonable objective design standards that were in effect before the application was submitted. This process may not in any way quote, inhibit, chill, or preclude the ministerial approval allowed by SB 35. Let me read that again, because that's really important. This process may not in any way inhibit. That means stop, slow down, impede. In other words, uh, through a goose, baby, quickly. Chill, that means slow down, freeze. You know, it's you can don't walk as, maybe you walk faster when it's cold, I don't know. Or preclude the ministerial 
stereo product preclude means avoid it, don't use it, get around it. So there's no way around it. And public hearings are not allowed on SB 35 projects. So if they come to you and they say you, the city, because the citizens are not involved anymore, we're acquiescing that responsibility to city planning, to the folks over there, the one stop, the two stop, whatever it is now, the bus stop. And if you meet the requirements, well, your project is uh, is on the fast track. Like I say, nine months tops for over 150 units. And over it could be 2,000, 3,000. That's some of these projects in the Bay Area that I'm going to read about. And then under 150 units, a five-month process. Projects eligible uh, for the streamlining provisions of SB 35 are considered ministerial. Ministerial projects are not subject to CEQA. Therefore, the application of an SB 35 project cannot be required to prepare any studies that would be required under CEQA. Traffic, air quality, noise. So if you have a project that's going in an area where there's some significant traffic concerns, let's say infrastructure isn't built, maybe it's on a dividing line between uh, a developed part of the city, uh, county, other areas of the city that are undeveloped, there's a, you know, one half of the road is good, the other half isn't. Well, normally a developer would be required or may be required through the plan review process, the public input process to provide those amenities. I was involved in a project years ago out by my house and uh, was told by the developer, hey, this is what we're going to do. The neighbors weren't real happy about that. And through a lot of community involvement, we got a much better project. And by the developer's own admission one day, while we were washing our hands together, he leaned over and said, you've cost me $2 million, Casey. I said, well, you have a better project. I don't know if he quite agreed that the value was there, but it turns out years later, it was a much better project. The road going both ways is as wide as opposed to just the side that is against the development. Well, these SB 35 projects, they don't even have to do that. They don't have to do a traffic study. They don't have to do an air pollution study. They don't have to do an environmental, you know, is the salamanders, the lizard. Now, obviously, there's nothing super obvious. You know, you can't uh, go on an archaeological. There are some exceptions. There are some exceptions uh, of things that you can't build on. Let me talk a little bit about those. A city can only require the applicant to abide by the objective planning standards that were in effect at the time SB 35 application was submitted. If an objective planning standards require certain studies to be performed, and there are objective standards to address the preparation and results of those studies, then the applicant would be required to prepare and implement those requirements. But here's the dirty secret, folks. Later on in the report from the city of Cupertino, there's the question was asked. These are some questions that were asked by the residents that they summarized. Can the city require the applicant to prepare a traffic analysis? And again, I told you they were exempt from CEQA. The short answer is no, like most cities and counties, like most cities and counties. Cupertino does not have an objective planning standards that mandate the preparation and implementation of of a traffic study outside of CEQA. So if CEQA, most, most, uh, again, most cities and counties just rely on the CEQA guidelines, air pollution, those type of things, because it's very inclusive. But SB 35 allows you to get away with that. So it says only studies that are required by an objective planning standard can be required. And like most cities and counties, Cupertino doesn't have one. I don't know if Merced has one or if Merced County has one. I know they're just revising their zoning ordinance. And this, again, is one of the Achilles heels 
uh, of this uh, Achilles heel of, of the of this legislation. If you do have those standards in place, you can require some of these things that would normally be required under CEQA. And I'm sure there will be some maneuvering uh, to be able to get that, at least for the city's sake and for the residents. Again, the public input, the hearings, I, I get the NIMBY, you know, not in my backyard. They're tired of hearing that. It's not going to fly anymore. The type of clients, the uh, supposed uh, person that these projects draw, that that's not an argument. Probably never really was. And uh, even less so now in the... In the uh, face of, of shrinking inventories and and no uh, no supply uh, no uh, no uh, no supply on the on the horizon uh, without these uh, requirements let me just read some of them a density bonus what is the relationship between SD 35 and density bonus laws now these are uh, laws that allow uh, existing laws that allow you to put even more houses than you normally would would per the general plan or other Again, uh, standards that are in place. A density bonus is an increase in the number of housing units allowed under the general plan or zoning based density to encourage the production of affordable housing, depending on the amount of affordability, depending on the amount and affordability of the proposed affordable housing, a project may be allowed a density bonus between 5 and 35% of the base density. So again, my MCOE math, let's just do it easy. If you had 100 under a base density, 35% would be almost what? 30 more. So, in addition to the density bonus, concessions and incentives can be requested by an applicant. So, not only can they put 5 to 35% above the base density, they can get additional consents, concessions and incentives. And again, these are buzzwords for the development industry. That means more money, more profit, more uh, incentive to build. Can be requested by an applicant developer to help the project provide affordable units. Depending on the percentage of affordable housing provided, a project may be eligible to receive up to three concessions and incentives. A concession or incentive is a reduction in a site development standard or modification of zoning or architectural requirements or any other regulatory incentives or concessions that would result in identifiable and actual cost reductions to provide affordable housing. So if you can build it better and cheaper, except for the prevailing wage, now that that one's uh, not negotiable. But if you can show that you, uh, you know, you can build it a little better, maybe different, like some of these things, the affordable units are smaller, different finishes, maybe not as nice of uh, cabinets and that sort of thing, whereas the market rate or higher-end uh, apartments in which within the same unit uh, within the same development, within the same complex, or a little nicer. You know, maybe you got the Corian as opposed to the Formica. Uh, maybe you got the Low Flush as opposed to the uh, Auto, I don't know. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? Higher standards, more money, less standards, lower income, which, again, uh, these are perfectly acceptable things under the law. State density bonus law also allows an applicant re to request waivers of any city development standard, setback, height, etc., that would physically preclude, quote-unquote, construction of the project. So if you have a height requirement, say, you know, the surrounding neighborhood, uh, max three stories, say, here in Merced for residential, well, you know, that's out of the out of the picture now. It's not a requirement anymore because, again, these uh, developers can get away uh, from, from some of these requirements. Some you can't get away from. Uh, let me read quickly from that. I had them highlighted here. Again, I've told you about the prevailing wage. Uh, requirement that that's probably one of the the big ones uh, it has to be resident you know designated for uh, two-thirds of the square footage has to be residential use that allows 
one-third for commercial uh, development, which again is very uh, desirable for developers. They like to have that resident, uh, that commercial mix, uh, the rent from that, a little higher than your low-income rent. Again, makes it more desirable, makes it more, makes the project pencil. Uh, urban infill, you know, obviously located in an, in an urban setting, which again, uh, we, we like urban infill. That's a big word. A uh, number of units has to be two or more, which most of these are uh, multiple hundreds, to be honest with you, because that's how it really pencils out. Location, you know, can't be in a uh, farm, farmland, wetlands, you know, any kind of hazardous waste. That's one of the things they're trying to do up in Berkeley. And Cupertino on a project, Berkeley, they're saying it, uh, the project they're proposing is on some sacred Indian burial ground. And in Cupertino, at the old mall development, they're saying some of the uh, property is a hazardous waste site. I don't know if those arguments are going to fly in Cupertino. They have so far in Berkeley. Residents have uh, been pretty successful. They're being sued now, the city of Berkeley, for denying the development. Uh, consistent with the objective planning standards, this is the big one that I see we need to get ahead of here in the city and the county by having objective planning standards to pick up where CEQA le leaves off or maybe mirror or duplicate what CEQA does so we have some more local control. But I'm out of control because we're out of time. I have got to go to the uh, break. I'm getting down here 15 minutes. We only have three 15-minute segments together. We're in the second one, only one more. Of course, the bonus half hour from 9 to 9.30. I'm hoping you can join me then. We're going to cover this SB35 pretty thoroughly. I hope to talk about more things besides that, but I feel this is important. Coming to a city near you, Merced, in Merced County, be aware. We'll be right back. Yeah, don't you worry about a thing, baby. You're here with Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM KYOS, Saturday morning, third and final segment of the 8 o'clock hour of Citizen Watch on the last Saturday of August. Five pay periods. Man, people around here were ecstatic, let me tell you. A little extra money. A little extra money never, uh, never hurts. Then you go fill up your car. Of course, one of our guys, he's doing a uh, commercial... You got one of these new Chevy Volts or used Chevy Volts on under nine grand, never has to buy gas again. A little envious when I hear that commercial. Yeah, to try to borrow that or maybe buy one myself. I don't know. Anyway, welcome back. Labor Day weekend. Don't know how many of you there are listening to this, but if you missed it, <laughs> you can go online and listen to it on demand. 1480kyos.com. That's our website. You can always live stream us. All the content, as long as it's on the air. It's coming over the uh, the computer, too, in case you're not next to a radio, your mobile device, your laptop. Those of you that still use those, like me, I need that big screen, man. Big buttons, big screen. Mobile device, uh, I don't get it. It's like Dick Tracy We're trying to read a TV there on your, on your phone. But anyway, you can listen to us, and then uh, you can, uh, on demand, click on the Citizen Watch banner. Takes you all the shows that we've uh, produced so far since we've been up. Uh, a couple of weeks now. I think we have 14, 15 shows up there. Going to put some old ones up eventually. But uh, the current week shows go up after 10 a.m. after they air on Saturday morning. So hopefully you can listen to that. There is a Merced City Council meeting coming up Tuesday the 3rd. There's a holiday Monday, Labor Day. Folks are gone over on the coast. Pismo. Aptus. Santa Cruz, 
you have an extra room? No, I'm teasing. Anyway, it, uh, <laughs> it's nice over there. The weather, you can't beat it. You just can't beat it. Anyway, um, council meetings on the 3rd. Because of the holiday, Merced, of course, the Atwater City Council meetings, 9th and the 23rd of September. I guess 30th, the last Monday, five Mondays in September. I just noticed there will be nothing going on. As far as uh, council meetings, I know the McCag meeting is going to be in Augustine. I think that's on the 19th or the 26th. They postponed it last month. It was supposed to be here in Merced. Mayor Mike Murphy uh, had an issue on there. He sits on McCag as one of the six city representatives in the county, five board of supervisors. Talked about changing the makeup of the board. And uh, they canceled the meeting. I don't know. Maybe next time. Hey, you know, get it in there eventually. But, you know, these canceling tactics, change the meeting times, dates. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I, I hope they're receptive uh, to that. What else is going on? I'm just reading through some of the notes before I get back into SB 35. Well, let's just let's just get back into it. I was talking about the requirements of SB 35, you know, they, there are some requirements. Public participation is out the door, but they still have to, you know, they can't build on sacred areas, tribal lands, uh, hazardous waste, floodplains, you know, those type of things. And I left off with consistent, they have to be, the, whatever project is, is consistent with objective planning standards. These are the uniform benchmark and criteria that's already available, knowledgeable to both the development applicant or proponent and the public official prior to the submittal. That way there's no, can't turn you down, hey, we need a trash enclosure. If it wasn't required, if it's not known by everybody ahead of time, they can't require it. Now, prevailing wages, if the development is not in its entirely a public work, as defined in government code section 60, blah, 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 all construction workers employed in the execution of the development must be paid at least the general prevailing rate of per diem wages for the type of work in geographic area paid at least. I don't think you can go any higher. I did a job once with prevailing wage. The guy goes, man, I'm paying you wages like an electrician on the moon. I'm thinking, what? I think it'd be a little higher. Got oxygen you need to take with you. But let me just say it's high. It's very, very well compensated. A lot of bennies in there. I mean, there's a line item for everything. Training, pension, trust, blah, blah, blah. Because, again, it, it mirrors... The signatory, the union, the alphabet soup groups, you know, the pay to work. I never understood that about union guys. Man, I want to pay to work. Well, you know, you need representation. Those employers, that is a son of a gun. You talk about a, a three-way relationship, unions, employers, and the workers. Poor workers don't know who they work for. Do I work for the employer or do I work for the union? Well, you pay your dues to the union, so I, I can understand why you're kind of beholden to them. And, of course, they do uh, have your back when they feel like it, and it benefits the uh, entire membership. Sometimes if you're out there on your own, well, they'll leave you uh, swinging in the wind. But I like the right to work. You know, if you want to be union, wonderful. Has a lot to has a lot to offer. When unions first went in, the reason the rise of organized labor, because employers weren't uh, good stewards of their employees. They were abusive, uh, marginalized them, used them. Unsafe work conditions, unsafe machinery. Now we have things like OSHA, Division of Industrial Standards, uh, all kinds of things. Division of Industrial Relations, federal, state organizations that look out for the employee, not only in their pay, 
but the conditions. So the unions have now been regulated mostly to a bargaining for wages position, which in a lot of cases are playing with the house money. In municipal, city, government, schools, anything that's funded with taxpayer dollars, your dollars. The union basically is advocating on behalf of the employee for more of those dollars when the kind of the primary purpose of government is to provide the services for the least cost possible to save money to the taxpayers while still providing a living wage and all of those things that we hear about, all those buzzwords to take on new and different definitions. Well, I, I deferred a little bit there, but all of these projects, and again, this was a payoff to the to the organized labor the union, the development industry, the building industry, the union building industry of this prevailing wage in this section. And again, it's one of the Achilles heels, heel of the uh, of the standard of SB 35, the consistent with objective planning standards. If those are in place, hard to get around because seek was easy. And then the prevailing wages, skilled and trained workforce. Well, that just goes along with prevailing wages. That makes sure that uh, you're in a, uh, a truly in a union program or some sort of uh, approved government training program, so if you use apprentices, that sort of things. Uh, parking. The project must provide at least one parking space per unit. However, no parking may be required. What? However, no parking may be required if the project is located within one-half mile of a public transit stop. So if you can walk 2,700 feet, man, uh, you don't need to provide a parking spot. Or if it's in an architecturally or historically significant district, because there's not a lot of parking usually, because there are old parts of town, one block of a car share service vehicle station, if you're within a block of a, you know, a park and ride, or a car share vehicle station, which is like uh, these Uber, uh, no, not Uber, that's a ride share, what's the car share one? You know, the bikes like they have in Sacramento, there are some cars, you park it, next guy picks it up. Or on-street parking permits are required but not offered to the development occupants. So these area, these uh, projects, again, can go in areas where there's already uh, on-street parking permits required, but they're exempt uh, from these laws uh, because of what they're providing. Again, this low-income, affordable, quote-unquote, housing. So let me go back to the article that was put out by the, uh, the Legal Beagle folks talking about how this has gone. And there's a couple of specific projects. Cupertino-Valco Mall, I've mentioned. The highest profile SB35 test case thus far is the ongoing Valco Mall saga taking place in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley's Cupertino. Uh, for years, Sand Hill Property has attempted to replace the mostly abandoned Valco Mall with a mixed-use building, retail, and office complex. In October of last year, under pressure from the impending SB 35 deadline, the Cupertino City Council voted 3-2 to two to approve the previous community-driven proposal. The approval called for uh, 2,900 housing units, over 2,900, a million, almost 2 million square feet of office space and 400,000 square foot of retail. Again, this is where the money is for some of these developers, the office and retail. There's no such thing as low-income retail and low-income office. Uh, those are pretty uh, pricey digs, especially in Cupertino, and that's what makes the other part of the project work. Plus, they were going to get a new city hall for the city of Cupertino and a community center garden. But a community group, uh, community group, people, citizens, gathered enough signatures to put a referendum 
before voters in 2020, obviously it hasn't been voted on coming up in March, to halt the community proposal. The referendum spurred the developer to again pursue to pursue the city-approved SB 35 project, potentially costing Cupertino many benefits only included in the community plan. So they had two plans, one that was a little more generous to the city had they gone along and played ball, but as soon as they uh, encountered resistance from the public, they just went back to the streamlined process. So uh, the benefits they lost, a new city hall, performing arts center, over $11 million for adjacent bike paths and over $14 million to benefit Cupertino schools. That's off the table now. Valco Mall is now the largest project to utilize SB 35 to date. Sound Hill Development leveraged SB 35 to incentivize the Cupertino City Council to approve the project. However, while project opponents could not use a referendum to stop the buy right, in parentheses, in other words, if you comply, you have a right now without any public input for the SB 35 proposal. They have filed a lawsuit alleging that the Valco does not qualify for SB 35 because it is built on hazardous waste site. This is the opponents, and it's not. Even the uh, city of Cupertino lists extensively why it's not on a hazardous waste site. So it probably is not going to go anywhere in the courts. But the voter referendum, we still have the ballot box, believe it or not. The Valco development also highlights an important advantage of the new legislation. Up to one-third of SB 35 of a, the SB 35 project can be dedicated to non-residential uses. In other words, SB 35 can expedite mixed-use projects like Valco commercial and retail uses might help developers to budget for the affordable housing portion of certain projects. And cities might be more inclined to add new housing if the housing is coupled with new retail and commercial tax revenues. They don't care about a a Dutch Brothers or a Cold Stone. They just want to get the taxes when people buy there. Because, again, affordable housing really doesn't pay per se. It's costly to build. But when you couple it and get these concessions, you take out the public uh, opposition, well, this is what's happening. Then there's another project, Berkeley's 1904 Street. This is one that was denied uh, by the city because they found evidence that it was uh, located within the boundaries of the West Berkeley Shell Mound, a designated city historical landmark. Uh, Following the denial of SB 35, the developer... Uh, handed the project back over to the property owners. November of last year, the property owners filed a lawsuit against the city of Berkeley over denial, alleging uh, their treatment was unlawful. Uh, the project was unlawfully rejected. Berkeley's denial of the 4th Street project highlights a potential shortcoming of SB 35. While SB 35 mandates expedited review, California cities and counties retain authority to determine whether project whether a project ultimately qualifies. In denying the developer's SB 35 application, Berkeley raised various concerns, ranging from SB 35 state constitutionality, so the city's wondering if this is even a viable law, to the project's compliance with, again, with the city's objective planning standards. Now, Berkeley had those, and they were able to uh, fall back on that and deny the, deny the project. So, again, I think that uh, this is very important. I'm out of time can't believe how fast this goes. In the uh, 8 o'clock hour, we're going to finish this up in the 9 o'clock bonus half hour and hopefully talk about some other things that were in the news. 
that we talked about a little last week. If not, we'll have to save them till next week. I don't know what to do. I only have so much time. But I think this SB 35 is very important to what's going to be happening here in the city of Merced. I think uh, it's it's on the horizon in the county. Again, the county is out of compliance, too, with the regional housing inventory or annual report. We have been for some time. Outwater's been called on the carpet. The principal's office, as Mayor Creighton said. So, again, these, uh, these issues haven't been uh, addressed as quickly as they should be. We'll try to cover the rest of this in the 9 o'clock hour. Hopefully, you can stick with us through the break. If not... Tune in next week to another exciting edition of Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. We'll see you later.